0: John and John sing for us, always encouraging, and we're glad you're here today. Take your Bible, John's Gospel, chapter number 18, John's Gospel, chapter number 18, find that place in your Bible, if you will. We're glad you're here today, and uh, good to see the church gather together on the Lord's Day. Highlights of my week is coming to church, not just so I can be here, but to see other people, amen? Uh, One of the greatest sounds I have is hearing the church door open, seeing who's coming in. And uh, only on very rare occasions does somebody walk up and I go, oh no Most times it's, oh yes, <laughs> amen <laughs> But on rare occasions, it's like, oh no <laughs> Here comes a fight, here comes an argument And somebody's not going to be a blessing Somebody just wants to be a problem But that's very rare But every now and then, somebody will come up But is, again, nothing recently So don't think, is it me, Pastor? No, none of you, okay you're, None of you watching through the internet either But Because I don't think Let me just check Nope, you're all good John 18 and we'll get started this morning. We have been looking at the sevens found in John's Gospel. And uh, today we say seven maybe. Is that your topic? No, I'm giving you maybe there's seven questions. We're going to look at seven questions. Maybe eight questions, depending how you look at this. I'll have to ask my English majors later on, Brother Gerard and Sarah and Miss Michelle, on, on the proper one of this. Amen? And uh, they keep me straight around here in my English. Sometimes I speak... Uh, I don't speak English, I speak American, and you never know what's going to happen with that. I was talking to Brianna last night, and she's going back to China. I said, well, how's your Chinese? She said, it's very bad. She says she speaks Chinglish. <laughs> <laughs> I said, is that like Spanish people who speak Spanglish? She said, yes, exactly. I said, well, <laughs> I don't know what Polish people who do speak Polsky? Pol I don't know what it is, but anyway. We, uh, so we're going to look at seven questions. And see these seven questions we find here that the Lord has for us. Let's read, and then we will uh, make our prayer to the Lord. In John chapter number 18, and we start reading. Um, and let's start with verse number 28. 18:28. Then led they Jesus to Caiaphas unto the hall of judgment. And it was early, and they themselves went not into the judgment hall, lest they should be defiled, but they might eat the Passover. Pilate then went out to them and said, What accusation bring against this man? They answered and said unto him, If he were a malfactor, we would have delivered him unto thee. if we would not, I should say. By the way, that's a non-answer. Then said Pilate unto them, Take ye him, and judge him according to your laws. The Jews therefore said unto him, is it not lawful for us to put any man to death, that the saying of Jesus might be fulfilled, which he spake, signifying what death he should die? Then Pilate entered into the judgment hall again and called Jesus and said him, Art thou the king of the Jews? Jesus answered him, Sayest thou these things of thyself, or did others tell it thee of me? Pilate answered, Am I a Jew? Thine own nation and the chief priests have delivered thee unto me. What hast thou done? Jesus answered, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, then would my servants fight, that I should not be delivered to the Jews. But now is my kingdom not from hence. Pilate therefore said unto him, Art thou a king then? Jesus answered, Thou sayest that I am a king, to this end was I born. For this cause came I into the world, and that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone that is of the truth heareth my voice. Pilate saith unto him, What is truth? And when he had said this, he went out again unto the Jews and saith to them, I find in him no fault at all, but ye have a custom that I should release unto you one at the Passover. Will ye therefore that I release unto you the king of the Jews? Then cried they all again, saying, Not this man, but Barabbas. Now Barabbas was a robber. Then Pilate therefore took Jesus and scourged him. And the soldiers plated a crown of thorns and put it on his head, and they put on him a purple robe. And said, Hail, king of the Jews. And they smote him with their hands. Pilate therefore went forth again and saith unto them, Behold, I bring him forth to you, that ye may know that I find no fault in him. Then came Jesus forth wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe, and Pilate saith unto them, Behold the man. When the chief priests therefore and officers saw him, they cried, saying, Crucify him, crucify him. Pilate saith unto them, Take ye him and crucify him, for I find no fault in him. The Jews answered, "We have a law and by our law he ought to die because he hath made himself the Son of God. And Pilate therefore heard that saying, he was more afraid and went again to the judgment hall and saith unto Jesus, "Whence am thou? Or whence art thou? I'm sorry. Jesus gave him no answer. Then saith Pilate unto him, Speakest not unto me, knowest thou not that I have the power to crucify thee and the power to release thee?" Jesus answered, Thou couldst have no power at all against me, except it were given thee from above. Therefore he delivereth me unto thee, hath the greater sin. Father, bless this time and this hour now. Help us when we look to the word of God. May our hearts be open to hear what the truth has to say. We live in a confused day, a a, a wicked day, and a day, Lord, where men do anything they want, believe anything they want, all at the peril of truth in their own soul. Help us today to concentrate. Let us learn from Pontius Pilate. Let us see, Lord, the mistakes he made and the error that damned his very soul. I pray, dear God, you'll help us now in this hour to be bolder witnesses for Christ. Help us, Lord, to uh, rest in your faith, or in your, our faith would rest in your truth and in his promises. Bless the boys and girls downstairs. Bless those who work with them, meet their needs We ask and pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to talk to you this morning on the seven questions that Pontius Pilate asked. Seven questions from Pontius Pilate. Now, there's a lot of questions that Pontius Pilate asked. Some are addressed to the Jews and others are addressed to to our Lord. And I want to address the seven questions that Pontius Pilate asked of the Lord Jesus Christ. And there's probably nobody who's been around Christianity who has not heard the name of Pontius Pilate. His name is synonymous with cowardice and corruption. We meet Pontius Pilate in all four Gospels, and, and it's always at the trial of the Lord Jesus Christ. We never meet him before. We never meet him afterwards. Depending on when you want to say the Lord Jesus Christ was crucified, remember there are two dates. Some say it was 30 A.D. Some people say it was 33 A.D., and, and there's really great uh, proof for both of those dates. I don't really get into those dates. The Bible says it's foolish just to argue about those things. But in 26 AD, the Roman Emperor Tiberius appointed Pontius Pilate as prefect of the Roman province of Judea. Now, Judea, Israel is much like the United States in the sense that it has provinces. We would call them states. And Judea was a province much in the same way that we have a state. And so Pontius Pilate has been put the... Uh, the prefect or the governor, the overseer of this area of Israel, which is under the occupation of Rome, and it's his job as prefect there to keep law and order. The Jews have been known for their uprisings, especially in Jerusalem. There's a group known as the Zealots who are constantly trying to seek their freedom from Rome and and, and and trying to break away. and, And so there's always these uprisings. So Pontius Pilate is always having to quell these rebellions that are going on. And while the typical term for a Roman prefect was one to three years, Pilate was to hold his post as the fifth Roman uh, procurator for at least ten years. Now, as a Roman prefect, Pontius Pilate was granted power as basically a supreme judge. He would be the head Supreme Court Justice of the day which means he had the sole authority to order a criminal's execution or not. Everything came back down to Pilate. He was the the one, and I'm sure that in his life, Pontius Pilate had no trouble ordering the execution of men or women as it came down the pike. But this one, he's struggling with this one, and and he does well to struggle with this one because for the first time, really, he probably has an innocent man before him, and he's condemning an innocent man. His duties as prefect include, again, a lot of mundane tasks. He's, he's in charge of tax collecting and managing construction projects. So there's a lot of tedious jobs he would be in charge of. But again, his most crucial responsibility was that for maintaining law and order. I'm personally in favor of law and order. Amen. I think we can go for the, a little bit of that here in the United States of America right now. But his job was for law and order. And whatever he said was was law and was to go. And what he uh, couldn't negotiate and what he couldn't get through, he would accomplish through brute force. <clears throat> when we look at the person of Pontius Pilate, when we see him here, and we study him in history, he's a really a very weak and facilitating. Uh, has a very weak and facilitating personality. He's not a strong man, but he hides behind that chair, and and. and And we see this when he faces the mob. He cannot stand up to the mob that's before him. He's willing to facilitate them. What's it take to make the mob happy? We see that with our own politicians. (laughs) We're always willing to make the mob happy instead of standing up to the mob and saying, no, I'm sorry, we don't do that, and, and dealing with an angry, unlawful mob. So Paul, again, is very weak. He capitulates and uh, his wife, we know from Scripture, sends a message to him saying, you know, have nothing to do with this man. I've had a lot of bad dreams about him. And you can say whatever you want about her dreams and where they came from. I'm not going to go into that. But even she knew, you know, just, sweetheart, just have nothing to do with this man. Get rid of him and, 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 and just move him on. But don't have nothing to do with this case. But he's not going to do that. He, he, he's going to, he's, he's sitting here. With the Lord Jesus Christ basically, proverbially speaking, in his lap. And now, what's he going to do with it? Remember when you were kids? We played a game hot potato when we were kids. We didn't, sometimes we had a potato, sometimes it was a ball. The job was to get rid of that ball as quickly as possible before whatever count was going on. And Pontius Pilate, has, this ball has landed in his lap, and he cannot get rid of it. He's passed it off to Herod, his superior, and Herod... Being the superior says, "I don't want this case," and he bounces it back down to uh, Pontius Pilate. You deal with it. You're the you work for me. It's your job. Some Pontius Pilates left. Now, again, there, when we look at history, history does talk about him, and he it was an actual historical figure. There's evidence they dug up in Israel with well, plates and stones and other things that have his name on it. So he was a actual historical figure. And there are some circumstances surrounding Pontius Pilate's death that are we don't really understand fully all that took place. Uh, he would die around thirty-nine AD and and there's some contention surrounding his death. Some traditions say that Roman Emperor Caligula ordered Pontius Pilate to death by execution or suicide. That's one of those things, either we kill you or you kill yourself. It's, it's a pick 'em, and it's not a good pick 'em. Uh, other accounts say Pontius Pilate was sent to exile, and there he committed suicide at his own accord. I guarantee you one thing, Pontius Pilate was probably haunted every single day of his life over this one day in his life. If we're not careful, we can have an hour or a day in our life that will... Chase us the rest of our life. Even as Christians, sometimes something will haunt us of our past. And remember, if we're saved, it's under the blood and we move on forward. But Pontius Pilate's not under the blood. And Pontius Pilate has to deal with this. And I'm sure he rehearses this, this day, every day in his mind. That would drive a man crazy. Again, some say he committed suicide. And his body would be thrown into the, the Tiber River. Others believe that, and again, I don't put stock in this, but there are others who believe Pontius Pilate uh, converted to Christianity. And, uh, and this is according to the, and he's a saint, by the way, in the Ethiopian Orthodox Church. So you have Saint Pontius Pilate. You believe that, preacher? Not for one minute. But regardless, regardless of what we truly became of Pontius Pilate, one thing is made certain Pontius Pilate actually existed and he did live and he did have a meeting with the Lord Jesus Christ. And in that meeting, he's going to ask seven questions. If you were given seven questions to ask the Lord Jesus Christ, I'm sure all of us would have very humble and sincere questions. When we see the questions that Pontius Pilate has, he's, he's proud, he's haughty, he's bigoted, he's antagonistic, and everything else. So let's look at the first question that Pontius Pilate has the, I would say, privilege, or the rarity to ask these questions. In verse 33, then Pilate entered into the judgment hall, again in 1833, and called Jesus and said, art thou the king of the Jews? We're going to give each one of these questions a, a title. Uh, I I will admit I stole some of these from titles from some other authors as I was reading, and some titles are my own. So when something's not my own, I will admit and confess to plagiarism, although most Baptists don't know what plagiarism is, but I will confess to it every now and then. And we would label this one as a salient question, a salient question. Leaving the Jewish leaders out standing outside Pilate and enters into the... Praetorium and, and he summons the Lord Jesus Christ and 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 to provide background to this question, he's asking, Are you the king of the Jews? And realizing they had to come up with a charge uh, that would impress the Roman judge, Jewish leaders began to accuse Jesus, saying, We found this man misleading our nation and and forbidding to pay taxes and accusing him of all these crimes, and and basically saying he's a king. And so the, the Jewish people came up with this lie that Christ was Uh, refusing to pay taxes and claiming to be a king and we know from scripture that Jesus Christ did pay his taxes he he paid his taxes by going fishing amen I like that one I've I've been down to the Passaic several times and yet no luck but uh, fishing and he pulled a coin out of a fish's mouth and paid his taxes and and he told his uh, followers and he told others you know, render unto Caesar the things that are Caesar's and unto God the things which are God's and so we all have money on our person, that, and again, it's government money, it belongs to the United States, or maybe really rightfully China, since they own us, uh, so we have that money, that's the government's money, but we give to that, we pay our fair share, we do what we're supposed to do, in that. but Christ did uh, never claim that he was king or authority over Rome, he was a king, is a king, he's king of kings, but to make that, again, he was higher than Caesar, it would be a, kind of misleading, he never assumed authority over Rome. He submitted to authority. The Lord never broke one law. He was always submissive to authorities. Again, these were completely false charges. Again, their goal was to portray him as an insurrectionist bent on overthrowing Roman rule and establishing his own. Now Pontius Pilate, being the prefect of this area, could not overlook this threat of, uh, to Roman power. And so he asked this question. Again, we can say that Pontius Pilate, being in the dark on a lot of things, had a right to ask this question. He's trying to establish a case here, and they're saying he's claiming to be a king. So he looks at the Lord Jesus Christ and asks the question Are you the king of the Jews? Is this claim correct? Are you making this claim to be king of the Jews? And so, in effect, he was asking. Jesus, was he pleading guilty or not guilty to the charge of insurrection? Again, Pilate's question seems to determine whether or not the, Jesus constituted a political threat to the Roman power or not. And again, the question contains an element of astonishment. Nothing about Jesus' suggested royalty. Here he stands there in front of Pontius Pilate and he's been beaten to a bloody pulp. He, 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 by all accounts, is almost unrecognizable as he stands there, bleeding and dripping blood all over the Praetorium, and, and and unrecognizable. He's not in fancy clothing and nothing royal about him. And so, to look upon this this bloody heap of a man, and say, are you the King of the Jews? It's... But again, he, I guess he has to ask that question. He has to. Our Lord was a poor man. He was not rich. He'd been up all night, he endured the agony in the garden, he'd been bullied by the Sanhedrin, he'd been beaten by the temple police And, and again, there is no anything in his life that Jesus Christ portrays any fierce traits or fanatical patriotism. Uh, the Romans were accustomed to meet with other Jewish liberators and insurrectionists, but nothing was ever found in the Lord Jesus Christ in that way. Oh, sure, there've been political zealots come through and they've been killed, and other insurrectionists have come through and they killed, but I'm sorry. There's nothing I can find about this guy that he's like all those other people you're claiming. He's not like those other political zealots that come through here. And there's political zealots, by the way, on both sides, left and right. We meet them all the time. You know, they're out there all the time, one group claiming something and, and killing or taking hostages or threatening to blow up something, both left and right. We find them everywhere. But nothing can be found in Christ. Jesus answers this, and he says in verse 34, Sayest thou this thing of thyself, or did others tell thee of me? Jesus, in effect, said, who told you that? Is that something you have deduced for yourself, or has someone else put that thought into your mind? The Lord wanted Pilate to ponder the implication of the charge. And and again, Jesus, our Savior, is a master at conversation. He's a master at debate, (laughs) Anytime somebody poses a question or, or is confrontationally, he knows exactly how to answer it. Are you the king of the Jews? So he throws the ball back in his court. Well, what do you think? Did you come up with this or did somebody tell you this? And so Pilate, what do you think? My friend, when it comes down to our meeting Christ and, and, and having a face-to-face with Christ, and we all have that face-to-face when it comes to the business of will we trust him as Savior or not, It comes down to, well, who do we believe he is and and where do we get that information from? Who told us that? Where did you learn that from? And all the time we, and be careful, by the way, be careful to get your theology always from the scriptures, not from what somebody else thinks the scriptures say. I'm not against books. I have a library filled with books and I got a, a basement filled with boxes of books. If I had more space, I'd put them all on shelves, but I don't have the space for them. I used to have space when I first got married. We had a whole room just for me. Then kids started coming along, and my space got smaller. Now they're all in the basement. And pretty soon they'll probably put me in the basement. So it's all good. But understanding, who do you think Christ is? And my friend, our answer ought to come from a thorough study of the Word of God, really without the influence of a lot of other people. I'm, I, I like education. I'm for education. But sometimes when we get our education, it's always biased. That's a... Everybody has a bias, by the way. Every school you go to, you're going to get a bias from the professor, the teacher, putting their little spin on things. That's why God gave you a book. That's why God gave you a mind. That's why God gave you the ability to learn how to read and then use that reading to sit down and gave you the Holy Spirit of God and to read it as well as give you a good church and good pastors to help you and instruct you. Who told you this? My friend, why do you believe what you believe about Christ? Where did you get that from? Who told you that? Did you learn that from television? Did you learn that from your parents? Did you learn that from this person? Where did you learn it from? Our answer ought to be, I learned it from a thorough study and reading of the Word of God. I like Pastor Jorge's testimony and who led him to Christ. He got saved by reading his Bible. Amen? That'll get you saved. That'll get you into heaven. So they been taken for granted that Pilate was well informed on Jesus and recent activity. He rises into Jerusalem amid the, the cry of Hosanna and that people, uh, if nothing else, call for a prompt investigation at the highest government level. Now, for sake of time, I'm going to move on because we have a lot of other questions. So again, the, the tables are turned with one question. Jesus put Pilate in this spot where'd you learn this from and again for this bloody man this beaten pope to stand here and talk to this roman official in such a manner is almost insulting to pontius pilate and let's not forget pontius pilate is a devout roman and he's got a bias and and really a hatred towards jews there's a lot of bias going on in this man as we'll see based on the next question verse 35 pilate answered am i a jew Thine own nation, the chief priests, have delivered unto me. Again, Pilate's question here, and again, this is a scornful question. If you want to label this question, as a scornful question. Pilate's question reflected the Roman bias against the Jews. My friend, if you're not careful, if you're not real careful, you will begin to develop with your human nature a superiority complex over other people. Every color group on planet Earth has one. We're better because. Everybody, and if you're not careful, you just may develop that. My friend, you lose that when you come to the cross of Christ and realize we're all made by God. We're all one blood. We all go back to one set of parents, God made us, nobody's better, we're all sinful, we've all sinned to come short of the glory of God, but Pilate is exhibiting his superiority as a Roman. Again, how do you argue with them? They, they, they're the Roman Empire. They're controlling the world. So it seems they're, 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 they're building roads, they have a great education system, they're, they have writings and, they, and they're, they're doing a lot. By the way, the roads they build, God's going to use them to help spread the gospel. <laughs> that those roads are going to take the gospel into all the corners of the world. Again, it's a answer of proud, and uh, he says your own nation basically is turned on you. And to Pilate, something was impulsive, implausible about that. Thine own verse, thy own nation, and thy chief priest have delivered thee unto me what do you do to that kid what's that oh it's Ronald's fault male life I know my preaching's bad but it's not that bad people just screaming in the aisle people generally just fall asleep all right Which gives us the third question, verse number 35, what hast thou done? And we can say this is a serious question. Attempting once again to get to the bottom of things, Pilate asked the question what he should have asked at the outset, what have you done? Now, Roman legal procedures allowed the accused to be questioned in detail, and Pilate understood that the Jewish leaders had handed Jesus over to him because of envy. We see this in Matthew chapter number 27 and verse number 18. What he still did not understand, what what Jesus had done to provoke this crowd to hostility. And my friend, think about it. What has Christ done that has stirred these people up so much that they want to actually kill him? And when you look at it, you say, you know what? There's really nothing there. They just didn't like him for some reason. Again, sinful nature being what it is, if you see, there's a road rage, people killing each other because somebody cut them off on the highway. So you want to kill somebody because they moved in front of you. There's no. And later on, when you're sitting in jail, you think, you know, what was wrong with me? What was wrong with me? Pontius Pilate, why do they hate you? What, what have you done that has stirred these people up so much that they want to kill you? And since it's now clear that Pilate was merely repeating the charge of the Jewish leaders, Jesus answers his question. And again, I love how the Lord answers the question. Verse 36 My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, then would my servants fight? That I should not be delivered to the Jews, but now is my kingdom not from hence. Now, put yourself in Pontius Pilate. He doesn't understand spiritual things. He's not thinking heaven and, and God the Father and angels and, and Satan and demons. He, he's thinking, is there a nation somewhere over in Asia? He's from, maybe he's from south, somewhere in southern Africa. Maybe he's up there in, in a part of Europe we haven't conquested yet. I mean, his kingdom's not of this world. What, what does that mean? The Roman world? And so Pilate, just Pilate sitting there scratching his head trying to figure out just what. In the, we understand that perfectly. At least we should. We understand that our Lord is, 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 is from heaven. And his kingdom rules and reigns there. And, and, and someday he will rule this world once again. This world will belong to him. We stand this on. Jesus is coming again, my friend. And If you're paying attention, and you should, it's getting real close. By the way, they want to get rid of your money, by the way. You're not paying attention. They're seriously talking about getting that. Everything's going to go digital. It's not far away. I told you I handed a girl 20 bucks at Starbucks some time ago. You thought I handed her anthrax. She's like... I feel like I give her more money. I mean, just watch her collapse back there. My first question is, what are you doing in Starbucks? But that's another thing. I don't mind the place. I really don't, but I, I still can't read the menu, but... I. I go in there every now and then and get some, some kind of Frappa Mopa, something. But I handed that, but everything is, is, is cashless. You know? And by the way, think about it. Think about that. What's coming? Think about no money. Just think about that. The government knows every transaction. So why do you bring that up, preacher? Because my Bible tells me someday there'll be a world where there'll be a cashless society. Except you have a mark in your hand or in your forehead. So instead of using your Apple Pay or your Venmo, or your PayPal.
1: <laughs>
0: I'm not going to be here, but I'm not getting one of on my forehead. I got enough marks and scars from from, from acne and There's John, John, from acne and uh, and chicken pox. I don't need something else on my forehead. Amen. So i just my hands are scarred, so I just you know I would use, just use that. But think about it. it's coming, my friend. It's all coming. So is our Lord, he's not far away. Let's be found faithful unto death. So again, these these, these questions Pilate is asking here. Was he a king? Was he a political ruler? I want to know. And Christ says, My kingdom is not of this world. And thank God it's not of this world, my friend. And there is a spiritual battle taking place even right now amongst in, in the realm unseen, for the soul of man, for his loss or his salvation. By the way, it's the job of a preacher to stand between the living and the dead. Amen? It's your job to stand between the living and the dead, to go out and, and warn people. So again, our Lord, to reinforce his point, he again says that his kingdom's not of his world, or else his servants would be fighting. When Peter, uh, earlier in the evening, took his sword and, and cut off the, the servant's high priest's ear, and the Lord picked it up and put it back on his head. And he said, Peter, don't you know that I right now call legions of angels and they would come and deliver me? All I have to do is speak in the host of heaven. By the way, one angel in the Bible killed 185,000 Assyrian warriors. (laughs) Can you imagine what legions of angels would do to planet earth if, if Christ said, bring it on? But his legions, his army, his soldiers, the angels of heaven stood with their Swords at their side. Their swords were sheathed, waiting for the call, but that never came because our Lord must be crucified. Then he asks another question because, again, this is all in procession here. Verse number 37, which is a sobering question. Art thou a king then? Art thou a king? Jesus is going to answer him. And my friend, everyone, well, let's read the words of our Lord. Thou sayest that I am a king. To this end was I born, and for this cause came I into the world, that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone that is of the truth heareth my voice. Our Lord is speaking to Pontius Pilate in sometimes riddles and sometimes very plain. And what he's saying here is, Thou sayest, I am a king. In other words, you know, I, I am a king, I'm not of this world, my kingdom's not of this world. And and again, Pilate was the one who was toying with his words, and Jesus puts the matter on another footing, on another realm. He says, in effect, I was born to be a king. For this cause was I born. I was born for the purpose of being a king. He said, Preacher, I thought he was born to to die. Yes, his purpose was to born to die. But he's also going to become king. Remember the Old Testament promises that the son of David will be king. He will rule the, the empire of David. He will rule the world. And so Christ... Answering Pontius Pilate's question, aren't thou a king then? I was born for the purpose of becoming a king. And that must have shook Pontius Pilate, no doubt. But my kingdom is not of this world. In fact, he says, my my kingdom is for those who will receive the truth. And my friend, truth is very important. Truth is not a relevant thing. We hear that thing, well, that's, that's, that's your truth. That's, what, that's your truth. Now, there's no such thing as your truth, my truth. And there's your opinion, my opinion, but the truth is truth. And truth was unpopular in the day of the Lord Jesus Christ. Is going to get him crucified, and truth is unpopular today. <laughs> truth can get you fired. Truth can get you banned. Truth can get you canceled. We can't speak truth anymore. That's offensive. Well, sometimes truth is offensive because it's the truth. You know, sometimes we have to be offensive to people. You ever have a friend who talks to you and you go, "Whew, dude, you got to do something. I don't know what you ate, but you got to do something. You got to brush your teeth, or you got to take a mint or something." Amen. We don't like saying it, but a friend will help a friend out. Dude, here's a toothbrush. Use it. We're offensive; it bothers them, but we're trying to help them out. Here's a mint. Sometimes people offer me a mint. You want a mint? (laughs) do I need one no I just I have them here I thought maybe you always just take one anyway you never know if they're lying to me or not but you just take one anyway I had garlic one night for dinner my wife and I went to dinner we had garlic I love shrimp and garlic and uh, I I ate that as an appetizer and then you take the bread and you dip it in the what's left over and you eat that and then you lick the bowl it's wonderful (laughs) so the next day I had to go to work and I'm talking to the customer after a whole night of shrimp and garlic, and he's like, <laughs> "I know his eyebrows started to fall off his forehead." I'm like, "I'm sorry, I had a lot of garlic last night." <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> so, he... and garlic, my friend, mint ain't gonna help that thing. Mints like, runs screaming into the night. They ain't gonna help you. You just gotta let that thing wear off. But we've all been there. We've all been givers and takers, in that department. But you tell somebody, listen, your breath really stinks. (laughs) That's truth. But it's 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 offensive. I was with somebody the other night. They were eating a salad, and they had like when they're done, they're smiling, and it's like, and you're like. I'm like, Brene, say something, because it's a girl. So Brene, say something. She's like, I ain't saying nothing. So, so all you can do is stare at the thing, amen? Don't stare, don't stare, don't stare. So finally, I told the Father, please, you, 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 you And she, But we've all been there with something stuck in our teeth. It's the truth. It's offensive. Here's the truth. You're a sinner. and Without Christ, you're going to die and go to hell. I don't like that the truth it's the truth which gives us our next question here which we have a speculative question verse 38 pilate saith to him, what is truth jesus words were an implied invitation to pilate to hear and obey the truth about him but they were lost on the governor who again abruptly ended his interrogation of christ with a cynical and pessimistic remark and it's really, in, 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 if we're going to read this properly, it's more like, well, what is truth? What is truth? Yeah, there's no such thing as an absolute truth. So what Pontius Pilate's doing here is, is nothing new than what we have today. Oh, well, what is truth? There's no absolutes. Yes, there is. There are absolutes. And the Word of God gives us absolutes. And without the Word of God, my friend, there are no absolutes. That's why we have the insanity that's going on outside in the world today, because we don't have God's absolute truths anymore. If you want to be something, you can be whatever you want to be. And this is truth. This is true. A, man's, uh, a 50-something-year-old man now claims to be a 6-year-old girl. And everybody's like, well, that's, that's him. That's his truth. No, that's insanity. He's insane and shouldn't be around other little kids because there's nothing, that's not normal. But we can't say that no more. So a 50-year-old man wants to be a 6-year-old girl and dress up in, in a dress and play in, uh, with little dolls. With, Yay. No. No. That's wrong. It's not right. It's, he's, he's mental or demon-possessed. Something's wrong with him. He's not to be accepted as normal behavior. But that's truth that says that. But without God, without absolutes, it's, well, whatever. Whatever. No. Not Whatever. And so uh, the tragedy of fallen man and, and, and the rejection of God, and without God, my friend, there can be no absolutes. Without absolutes, there can be no objective, universal, normative truths. With God, we have, this is truth. This is, this is the foundation on which everything builds and stands. We take God and we've eliminated God from our society. We don't want no God. And so therefore, everything's open for whatever it is we want. One guy, well, you know the Bible, you can't legislate morality. Well, we, we, we legislate murder. Who tells us we can't murder? Who, 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 who says that? Well, we say, well, who are you to tell me I can't murder? Really, who are you to tell me I can't murder somebody? Who are you to tell me I can't commit adultery? Who are you to tell me I can't steal something? Well, on the serpent, when we break it all down, we at the end of the day, we say, well, he's right. Then we come to God, and God says, you can't do this. And then we go, oh, the authority says so. You know, God, you think about the Ten Commandments. Think about those Ten Commandments. Why did God give those Ten Commandments? You know why God gave those particular Ten Commandments? Because I think those are the most prevalent that we must be guilty of. Think about that last one. Thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's wife. Think about that for a minute. Out of the top ten things God lists, God puts that on there. And God, who knows man's heart, what must be going on in a lot of men's hearts? You know, Joe's wife. Look at her; she's got a meal ready for him. My wife ain't got nothing ready, man. His wife. My wife don't do nothing. My wife's always did. My wife's always did, but his wife, what? Must be a bad thing. Well, where do we get that idea we can't covet a neighbor's wife from? Well, if there's no truth, there's no other way we can. But since we have God, and God gives us that truth, then I better watch myself, and I better not be bearing false witness, and I better not be stealing, and I better not be killing, and I better, not be, uh, I better honor my father and mother. Where do we get that from? God. Truth And Pontius Pilate, who thinks he's the arbiter of truth, what is truth? It's a flippant question in the sense that Pilate does not wait for an answer. And he says, and look at, he does not wait for Christ to respond in verse 38. And when he had said this, he went out again on the Jews and said to them, I find no fault in him. We move to chapter number 19. I have to move very quickly. In verse number 9, there is question number 6. And went again to the judgment hall and said unto them, Whence art thou? And this is a shaken question, because now Pontius Pilate's getting nervous. He's getting upset. He realizes there's mo- he's innocent. There's not guilty of anything. He, he, uh, there's something about this man. My wife has warned me. This, there's a lot going on here, and, and I don't trust that crowd out there. And I can, and, and this man, he keeps saying things. Every time he says something, he he, he puts me on the spot that I have no answer for, and, and he's getting me to think, and it's, this is messing me up. <laughs> for the first time, <laughs> I'm really getting messed up here. Don't know how to act with this, and so a dreadful uh, predicament is taking root in Pilate's heart. He would perhaps recall all the accounts he's heard from all his spies and he's heard about the miracles, he's heard all these things and, and there's too many things about Christ that he's heard to just ignore all of them. And so finally he asks, well, where do you come from? Where do you, wh- who are you? Where do you come from? Because now he's got this man, he's heard so many things and, that he's, and now he's speaking to him face to face for the first time and, and the answers he's getting he doesn't like. So he demanded from Christ, and the Lord Jesus Christ does not answer him. Verse 9, but Jesus gave him no answer. What answer could Jesus give him? And by the way, imagine Jesus saying this, I originally came from heaven, I am God, I created all things, and then one day, I left heaven, came down, was placed in a virgin's womb, and, 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 and then was born through a virgin, and then lived a sinless life. And then uh, at 30, I, became, I, I submitted myself to the Holy Spirit of God, was baptized, tempted of Satan in the wilderness, and, and then have been preaching and teaching and doing miracles for the last three years. Oh, okay. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I, I get it. <laughs> yeah, that's not going to fly. He says, that's truth, though. It's truth, but it's not going to fly at this moment, at this time, with this man and his heart. To have revealed to Pilate at this stage absolute truth about his being God manifest in the flesh really would have only added to Pilate's guilt and condemnation. The question before Pilate was one of justice, of a prisoner's innocence, and of rights that had already been terribly violated. And if Pontius Pilate was an honest man, he would have said, you know what? This whole thing's a sham. You needed to get rid of this man, get him out of here, and you guys need to be interrogated for the crimes you've committed against him. You guys should be on trial for all that you did to him last night. But does Pilate do that? My friend, there's times when we can speak truth to somebody, and there's times where we're just going to waste our breath. The Lord says, cast not your pearls before swine. I don't always know when the appropriate time for that thing is. When do I stop wasting my time? When do I say something? When do I realize I'm just wasting my breath? The Lord knows these things, though. Where'd you come from? I'm <laughs> not even going to answer you. Because that's not the subject matter. The subject matter is my guilt or innocence. That's, what's, that's what we're debating here right now. Now, when I said I have seven questions, here's where we come into our maybe it's eight questions. And you can say it's eight questions. I'll say it's eight questions. But these are questions Pontius Pilate asked the Lord Jesus Christ. In verse number 10, and we have a question here. Then saith Pilate unto him, Speakest thou not unto me? Knowest thou not that I have power to crucify thee and power to release thee? There's really two questions in there, or maybe it's one because it's part of the same sense and structure and part of the same uh, uh, context we're talking about here. You English majors can debate that and give us an answer later on. But no matter how many questions we have there, although there are two question marks in there, he was Pontius Pilate, was responsible moral agent who was accountable for his actions, Pilate did not have the ultimate control over the events related to the Son of God. Nothing that happened, even at the death of Christ, is outside God's sovereignty and God's will. Now, God did not make Pontius Pilate do this, but Pontius Pilate finds himself here. And we see here in verse number 11, as we finish up, Jesus finally answers, Thou could have no power at all against me, except that were given thee from above. Therefore, he that delivereth me unto thee hath the greater sin." Now, he's talking there when he said, he that delivered, thee hath the greater sin. He's really talking about Caiaphas, who is the, the main sinner in all of this. P- Caiaphas is the one who got this whole thing rolling with the execution of Christ. But I mean, all of this, by the way, is happening on God's timeline. These are the events God has mapped out. These things are to happen. and These people are players in this. Which I want to give you a thought, because there's a lot here to, to think about, that my friend, in life, when we walk in the will of God, the will of God is not always sunshine and roses, happy days and flowers. The will of God, for the Lord Jesus Christ, he says, is a cup. It's a bitter cup. And Sometimes God's will for our life is sometimes a bitter cup. And Jesus Christ is right smack dab in the will of the Father. And Sometimes we find ourselves right smack dab in the will of the Father, and it's not we wish we weren't there. But the promise we have is Jesus says, now I want you to walk with me. I want you to know we're going to walk through a very dark, scary, and lonely place. But I promise I'll never leave thee nor forsake thee. I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. You may not even see me or feel me, but I promise you I'll be with you. Even though you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will be with you. Because you're walking in my will. So, what's the conclusion? Well, very quickly, the conclusion here in all these seven questions, possibly eight questions, how close to the truth do you have to get and still die and go to hell? Here's Pontius Pilate conversing with Jesus Christ hours before his crucifixion. And from really all we know, unless you believe the Ethiopian Orthodox Church, Pontius Pilate will die and go to hell. And he burns in hell for the last 2,000 years knowing I was this close to Christ this close to salvation, and I threw it all away. How much evidence does one have to have presented before they will believe the truth? How much evidence do you have to have presented before you say, you know what, I believe that, and and take your bias and your preconceived notion and grandma's wisdom and throw it out the window and simply believe what God says. How much fear do we have? of what men will think of us. And oftentimes we worry about what people think about us. And Pontius Pilate, by the way, is up there and he's worried about what people will think about him and he's worried about his job instead of worrying about his eternal soul. And so he's going to reject Christ because he's worried about his job and what everybody's going to think about him. By the way, his wife's back there going, have nothing to do with him. So he even rejects his own wife and her wisdom. How many warning signs... Do you have to ignore? I mean, if the sign says bridge out, road out, stop, and, and, and barricades, how many do you have to keep blowing through before you finally blow off the cliff? I didn't know what's was happening. How many church services do you have to sit in? How many witnesses do you have to have? How many gospel tracts do you have to have before you say, you know what, I, I need to consider my soul. And what's being said. How many times God is putting warning after warning after warning. God has been putting these things in my life. By the way, nobody ever goes to hell without God giving some kind of a warning. Even creation declares the glory of God. Only an idiot would look at the creation and say, it happened by chance. My phone was uniquely designed by, by somebody. It's a wonderful design. But me, I'm just a freak accident. This... Design this. <laughs> this programs this. And this just evolved while this was created? You've got to be an idiot. Sorry. Well, the fool. The fool set his heart. There's no God. Pilate ignored his wife. He ignored the law. He ignored Christ. He ignored his own conscience. Think of those things. He ignored his wife. He ignored the law, he ignored Christ, and he ignored his conscience. Four things were ignored. And right there, and he missed it. Seven, maybe eight questions from Pontius Pilate to the Lord Jesus Christ, which all should be telling us that, my friend, we have to believe the truth. What is truth? What's well, called Christ. I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man cometh unto the Father but by me. Let's stand together for prayer. Father in heaven, we do thank you for this day. Thank you for the word of God and the Bible and all it teaches us. Bless this hour. Now bless these people. Meet the needs of their heart. And I pray, Lord, again, help every Christian, Lord, to be willing to submit to your authority. For you are king. You have a kingdom and someday will rule this world. Lord, you are sovereign God who rules and fares in the hearts of men, and you have brought light, and today light has shone from Scripture. If anybody has not believed that, let this be the day where they